Hello, this is Kelly McGee. Excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. And um, today's date is October 13th, 2020. And I have a very interesting podcast I want to share with you. Um, It's about an alien message that was received by a certain individual. So let me play that for you. This is Gerald Clark, November 8th, 2017. Today I'm going to present a subsection to you of a threat document that I found in my printout folders that uh, has been sitting around since about 2004-2005. This was submitted by an anonymous author and after reading the document and seeing how he describes himself, clearly he's an alien. Whoever he is, uh, from some other race that apparently is wants to help mankind. This is the link to the full document. Uh, I couldn't find it on the original website from the document that I had. So I took some important document sections out of the document, and I only am going to read the highlighted sections for you. The purpose of this document is to provide humanity with information about hidden threats that exist to the free will and self-determination of mankind extraterrestrial societies, international organizations, and domestic shadow governments are described as threats. There are three, uh, all three of these sources of threats must be considered together because they are all interrelated. Ancient history. I'm actually going to read all of this part to you because it's very, very good. In order to understand the nature of the threats facing humanity, it's necessary to know what events have taken place and what have brought us to the point we are today. This section describes the origins of modern civilization and the effects that extraterrestrials have had upon human development. 75 million years ago, an intergalactic federation existed consisting of 75 planetary civilizations. However, this federation was overcome by a catastrophe resulting in a cultural desert with fragmentation, overpopulation, and war. 50 million years ago, tall blonde entities from the Andromeda galaxy used a black hole to enter the Milky Way galaxy near Arcturus. They settled in the Lyran system. 22 million years ago, the Lyran Wars began. Portions of the Lyran population settled in the Orion, Taurus, and Era constellation. On Earth, early human development evolved slowly for the first 150 million years. Then, this is where it starts getting good, Two million years ago, the Elohim came to the Earth from the Aldebaran system. They were a tall human species with blonde hair and fair skin, and they departed with over 10,000 of our simian ancestors. These are the ones mentioned in the Bible. Hundreds of years later, they returned to deposit a more advanced genetically engineered race that could use tools and fire. The Elohim have returned seven times with a period of 23,000 years to accelerate human evolution. Uh, depends on what they were accelerating it for, right? <clears throat> now, oftentimes the Elohim and the Anunnaki are spoken of side by side because it looks like the <clears throat> the Elohim were uh, the Ajiji workers that were giants when they bred with humans, so we have evidence of that. 450,000 years ago, the Anunnaki settled on Earth from planet Nibiru at Mesopotamia. It's interesting. They didn't call them planet Marduk or anything else. They called it Nibiru. And this is the exact time frame that I'm working to in Odyssey Key. 300,000 years ago, a great civil war began on Regal with the Orion constellation. P. 
peaceful tall blondes escaped the Procyon system in Canis Minor. Those who remained on Regal became the tall greys, with genetic damage through their nuclear weapons exchange. That's interesting. 208,000 years ago, the tall greys reconstituted their power base and began the Markov Empire. This is very important. You're going to see this again. With the short greys from Betelgeuse and conquered Procyon covertly with mind control. 100,000 years ago, the Anunnaki mated with Neanderthal beings to form Cro-Magnum terrestrial beings as genetic hybrid for mining purposes. Uh, that's in our story as well. 70,000 years ago, Lemuria and Atlantean civilizations began to flourish. This generally agrees with records saying 80, as, as long ago as 80,000 years ago. 50,000 years ago, 70,000 rebellious beings left the Pleiades and settled on Earth where they flourished. By the way, that's about the same time frame that Thoth says he wrote the Emerald Tablets when they left for the land of Kem. 40,000 years ago, war broke out. Nearly all on Earth were destroyed. A few escaped to another planet. The survivors on Earth became wild and degenerated. degenerated. Kind of like now. 35 years, 1,000 years ago, those who escaped returned and rebuilt Lemuria and Atlantis. 30,000 years ago, the current Homo sapiens began in the Andes. That'd be interesting to see if there's genetic evidence for that. 12,000 years ago, the end of the last ice age, by the way, Lemuria and Atlantis are destroyed by global catastrophes. 6,000 years ago, the Sumerian civilization thrived between the Tigris and the Euphrates River of present-day Iraq. And 5,000 years ago, civilization spread to Europe and the Indus Valley of India. And we're going to get into some recent history now. This is kind of interesting. In 1932, Adolf Hitler directed German scientists to work on aircraft designs using advanced technology provided by gray entities from inside the earth. Inside the earth. In 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt became president of the United States. Roosevelt was a mason at the time when interaction with the gray entities began with the U.S. government in the winter of 33-34. On July 1934, aboard a naval ship in Balboa, the first deal Here's the first contract, 1934, was made between the United States and the gray aliens. The agreement stated that the aliens would not interfere in our affairs and we'd not interfere in theirs. It allowed the aliens to establish underground bases on U.S. soil in exchange for alien technology. Bet you they knew that when they went into World War II. <clears throat> During the winter of 36-37, there was another wave of increased sightings over Scandinavia. In 38, the Germans began flying experimental craft using unconventional power sources and methods obtained from a downed alien craft. Also in 38, the U.S. government engaged Orson Welles into the War of the Worlds broadcast to, in order to gauge public reaction to the idea of alien contact. Here's where Roswell comes in. In 1947, a powerful radar unit crashed of several alien disks in the four corners area of the U.S., the most notable of which were at Roswell and Aztec, New Mexico. The disks recovered had a reptilian species on board, as well as the bodies of U.S. Air Force pilots that had been mutilated. The disk crash at Roswell netted one live alien that was referred to as an EBE for extraterrestrial biological entity. And if you've read the Roswell alien interview report, that EBE had a name, and it was AIRL, and she disclosed, uh, this military officer that was using an alien gray body disclosed massive amounts of information to this 23-year-old army nurse. Hi highly worth the read. <clears throat> 
President Truman knew nothing about aliens prior to this time. He responded quickly to keep everything about the aliens secret and established a group of 12 top military scientific personnel to deal with the aliens. They were known as the Majestic 12, and the group still exists today with different representatives. In September of 47, President Truman caused the National Security Act to be passed, creating the Central Intelligence Agency in order to hide the activities of the government and the alien problem. CIA mind control projects began at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Project SIGN was created on December 30, 1947 at Wright Field to investigate disk technology, capabilities, and performance. The Navy Auxiliary Field in the Groom Mountains of Nevada was chosen as the place to do the testing. In 1953, members of the Pleiadian race, it turned out to be a friendly one, you'll see, met with President Eisenhower to warn him about the Greys and offer their help. But to receive their help, the people of the planet would have to stop killing each other, stop polluting and destroying the Earth, and request their help as one people. Their help was refused because they would not provide advanced technology. Sounds about right. So, later, it was decided by the government to communicate with the Greys and possibly acquire advanced technology. They also wanted to find out more about both the aliens and the roles they were playing in mutilations and abductions of humans and animals. Project Sigma, a joint NSA-CIA project to communicate with the alien species, was successful. The aliens told the government that their abductions of humans were for medical examination purposes only. Diplomatic relations were established and a meeting was held between elements of the U.S. government and the Greys from the Markov Empire. Remember, we read about those ones earlier. On April 25, 1954, at 6 p.m. at Holloman Air Force Base. <clears throat> okay. Um, the representatives of the E-Bon, as they called themselves, was Krill, K-R-Triple-L, no vowels, and confined to an electromagnetically secure facility near Los Alamos. A secret treaty was negotiated with the E-Bond by the United States government. The agreement made and contained some of the following provisions. And by the way, somebody had asked on my Facebook page that the alien contracts be exposed. Um, and hopefully this is accurate and will expose some of the agenda. That's a good idea. The U.S. Here are the terms of the contract. The U.S. would not reveal the alien presence and would not interfere with alien operations. The U.S. would allow the aliens to maintain underground bases on U.S. soil. Hmm. The U.S. would allow the aliens to abduct its citizens on a periodic and limited basis for medical examination, provided that the people were returned unharmed and without memory of the interaction. wonder if that's where the source of the movie Men in Black came from. The aliens would furnish a periodic list of abductees to the NSC. Excuse me. would provide the U.S. with advanced technology. That's what they really wanted. To finance these black projects without being accountable to the U.S. Congress, the government allowed Lucky Luciano to return to Italy in 1949. Heroin began flowing into the United States in the 1950s. Today, the U.S. government is the largest purchaser and distributor of heroin and cocaine in the world. Primarily, the CIA and the Delta Security Forces, sponsored by the NRO, were involved. By April of 1954, the U.S. began to suspect that the aliens were abducting a larger number of people than were being reported to the NSC. They realized they had made an error in trusting the aliens. The purpose of the abductions turned out to be 
Insertion of an implant device for biological monitoring, tracking, and control of the abductee. Implementation of a post-signotic suggestion to carry out a specific activity during a specific period. Termination of some people for biological materials and substances. Termination of individuals who represented a threat to their activities. Affect genetic engineering experiments and impregnation of human females for the creation of crossbred hybrid infants. So, the aliens had violated the agreement. The government realized there was little they could do but to try to keep the information classified to prevent panic. It became increasingly obvious to MJ-12 that things were not going as planned. The extent and number of persons missing each year is a closely guarded government secret. But since 1980, there have been at least 20,000 children reported missing each year. And there have been over 14,000 cattle mutilations since 1973, and over 20 million Americans have reported seeing a UFO. In 1961, President Kennedy was dissatisfied with some areas in the covert government structure, and he threatened to go public about the alien presence. In 62, the Bilderbergers met to discuss the ultimatum. In 63, mind control experiments began in Warminster, England. Within a month after President Kennedy's assassination, the Bilderbergers met again to formulate their plans. On April 15th, Two intelligence personnel met with aliens in the New Mexico desert to arrange a meeting on April 25th at Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico, in order to solve the problem with the Greys. I've been there, by the way. Um, <clears throat> here uh, is a section called Alien Messages, and I'm going to skip through a lot of this. The, the key point is that there was some corroboration here on uh, some some, it looks like gray aliens that were living on Mars, and they uh, returned a crop circle in response to the Arecibo message. And there were three symbols that were raised above the rest. They indicated the planets of Earth, Mars, and Nibiru. However, it was a symbol for Mars that was located directly below this alien humanoid body, so it looked like they were occupying Mars. The conclusion from that long report on Arecibo, and I have summarized it quite a bit, if the information presented is accurate, we now know that we are not alone in the universe. There is intelligent life on Mars and on the planet Nibiru. We know the general form and size of what they look like, the composition of their DNA and their population. We also know how they communicate, and most importantly, they want to communicate with us. But what this information does not tell us is why they want to communicate with us and share their advanced technology or what their intentions may be. The next section is on threat assessment. The subsection relating to foreign threats presents information about extraterrestrial societies that have come to Earth. The origins, physiology, motives, and current activities of each species is, is described in detail. And there's a lot of them. As a matter of fact, you'll see here in a minute, there's 70 species, and he only details nine of them. And even the detailing of the nine of them, it's quite extensive. So I'm going to skip through uh, and just read the highlighted part. The subsection relating to international threats presents information about secret societies, both global and regional, as well as satanic cults. Now remember, the, the beginning of the document, says uh, the three threats were all related, okay? And this is how they're related, is by this alien uh, contract. Mankind has suffered from a form of darkness for most of its history. The creator source, he's talking about the creator of all, is love and light, and is incapable of generating such a hideous form of energy. He's talking about this... Um, evil energy that's doing what it's doing. Creation, in order to create, has a positive and negative polarity. There are beings of light in both sides of the energy forms that make up the whole. The beings on the negative pole play an important part in creation. Without it, creation cannot exist. 
creation and destruction happen at the same time, and I've said that many, many times. <clears throat> this particular point I included in my screenplay, by the way, uh, Odyssey Key. When beings wish to create, they were instructed they must go to their creator in order to receive the light and energy in the form of love so that anything created would follow its evolutionary path to higher states of consciousness. However, eons ago, some of these beings of the negative polarity decided they could create their own energy. They created clones of themselves, which took on a life of their own. They have no soul light from the creator of all. They began multiplying and replicating themselves. This is the face of evil. It has been termed the Luciferian consciousness. However, evil is known among the galactic star nations by another more accurate term, artificial replicating viral intelligence, or ARVI for short. The visiting negative malevolent astronaut gods of long ago were physical replicating strains of ARVI. This includes all of the abnormal grays and reptilian lines of malevolent alien forms. Okay? And by the way, you didn't mention the blondes or any of these other or the Anunnaki, or the, the Nephilim, for that matter. It's mm -hmm. interesting. These beings learned how to tap into light bodies of beings in different galaxies. They would suck the life out of them. They grew enormous in their appetite. They designed implants and ways of controlling beings so they were enslaved like herds of cattle to be milked whenever their light was needed. The, uh, the ARVI need to keep beings in a state of fear. Fear leaches light from human beings through the cordings and implants that are attached to most people. ARVI created a huge storage supply system to keep stores of light energy. Recordings and implants are connected to this vast storage system. We've actually seen this in the movies where humans are essentially equated to a battery. <clears throat> this is the reason for the kidnappings and brutalizing of so many humans where ruthless experiments are visited upon these people. DNA, both human and animal, is harvested in order to keep replicating the various ARVI strains. Any abduction that is forced upon humans which is disrespectful and the denial of free will is perpetuated by ARVI strains. ARVI has human servant hosts that are rewarded when they perform acts of evil by feeding the host ego plenty of money and power. All wants and desires are fulfilled, but if a servant rebels, then ARVI destroys it. This is how human sacrifice began on earth. The viral intelligence, Luciferian consciousness, was a fearful demonic god that demanded to be fed blood. In turn, it would not bring violence to a tribe. Blood sacrifice is still being offered up to ARVI through violence, hatred, war, and greed. ARVI has been clever in convincing some of humanity that it is part of the family of souls that the Creator created. ARVI strains can appear to be very loving on the surface. Real beings have been duped into making agreements and contracts to give ARVI the DNA that it needs in order to keep replicating itself. The story that some of the greys tell their star system collapsing and needing help from the earth is not true. These ARVI strains take advantage of human compassion in order to dupe people into cooperating with them, believing they are assisting space brothers at a time of need. Let it be known that all such contracts can and should be avoided. The next section is foreign threats. Our, the universe is immense and full of life. Intelligent life is concentrated in some places more than others. There's a great diversity of life in the galaxy. Our world exists in an area of congregation with many inhabited worlds. Our world is being scrutinized by many powerful forces. Societies exist in the universe at every conceivable level of social and spiritual development and in countless expressions. There are vast areas that are unexplored and sparsely populated where many societies live in secret. Many have never been discovered. 
it's interesting because there's over 100 um, civilizations here on planet Earth that live in remote places that have yet to be discovered. Hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. The universe is a rigorous existence for survival. It is a difficult and competitive environment. It is not a heavenly state. Everyone in the universe must deal with the rigors of physical life, of survival, hardship, competition, and deprivation. <clears throat> Wars and great conflicts do occur, in the, uh, do occur in the universe, but they are very rare. Resources are valuable, and so the destruction of resources is generally looked upon with disfavor. Rebellions and internal disputes are more common. It is better to, to persuade a race to come into alliance with you than to try to overtake them by force. So advanced nations have become powerful in influencing mental environments. As societies become more technically advanced, the need for resources become greater and the preservation of natural resources is emphasized. In many cases, home worlds have outstripped their resources where they have become barren and unproductive. That is why Earth is viewed with such great interest. It is rich in mineral and biological resources, strategically located and accessible to many civilizations. Fortunately for us, our world cannot be conquered, for we live in a region that is governed by rules of conduct. This means that our world cannot become a part of a larger association unless humanity visibly demonstrates that we agree to it and welcome it. I wonder what that would look like, humanity doing one thing as a whole unit. I, I just don't see it. Because there are many societies in our regional space, they tend to hold each other in check and will take legal action against one another should the rules of conduct be violated. In our region of space, societies are not allowed to have military forces, only security forces for their own defense. So this brings up an issue of uh, the legality of weaponizing space uh, that's not defense-oriented. True democracy does exist in the universe, but it's very rare. They must be very strong in their dealings with societies in space. There's no one empire that is predominant because there is too much diversity of life here. There are many marvelous and wondrous creations, and there are many societies that have achieved a very high state of awareness, but they remain in the minority. Collectives are different from empires in that they have no source home planet. They have a group of planets that are dissimilar. They have joined together, usually through conquest and persuasion, and have become a formidable force. Empires are usually centered in one world or region by race. Collectives are made up of many races. Collectives may encompass hundreds of worlds and exist beyond vast reaches of space. They are always interested in gaining new allegiances and new members. They are highly organized and have a hierarchical structure. And they have a hive mentality. They're not collectives are not military powers, they're economic they're powers. Their focus is on trade, resource acquisition, and building alliances. There are many collectives functioning in our region. Other nations have established defenses against collectives intervention in their trade, commerce, and internal affairs. Collectives must abide by rules of conduct or face grave consequences. They must use negotiation, diplomacy, and influence. Collectives do not have an artistic appreciation of Earth. They need our resources and view Earth as a prize, the best among many. Nuclear weapons triggered their intervention on this planet. They realized that if we became strong and had greater technological power, their intervention here would become more difficult to achieve. They believe that they cannot wait. They seek to have humanity believe that they will save us from our own destruction. Because they are prevented from having a military presence, they must wait, take a long time and be very subtle in their influence with humanity. 
They want our help because they cannot breathe our air and take our resources themselves. They want to add humanity to their collective community and mentality. They want us to become part of them. This adds to their strength and minimizes resistance. This is why there's such an investment in time and energy in gaining our allegiance, in bonding with humanity through interbreeding, and in establishing a deep and pervasive association. In order to gain control over us, they must have us welcome them, want what they have to offer, seek their assistance, and believe that we need their help in order to satisfy the restraints that are placed upon them according to the rules that have been established. Sources for non-human entities originate in different sectors of space, both on and inside planets and planetoids or moons and in different harmonic frequency bands and dimensions that are outside the perceptive range of humans, as well as outside linear matter, energy, and space and time. So in other words, you can't see them in four to 700 nanometers. There are over 770 extraterrestrial species interacting with this planet at this time. This was in 2005. There are nine that are the most active, and they're generally classified into three groups, human-looking, smooth-skinned humanoids, and scaly, rough-skinned reptilians. Okay? Uh, I'm just, like I said, I'm, there's, there's nine of them he calls out here, and instead of going through every single one of them, um, I'm kind of going to just read the highlighted section. <clears throat> so here's some human-looking ones. Hum- uh, this includes interdimensional entities, the blonde species, and aliens masquerading as humans. Although human-looking extraterrestrials generally appear to be benevolent toward humanity, there are many of them that have been influenced, controlled, or possessed by malevolent beings. Any apparent alien who is essentially human and Caucasian in appearance, even though sometimes very tall, may be called a blonde. Though many are tall, blonde-haired, and blue-eyed, certainly all are not. Even some of the American Indian connection may be considered blonde in origin. There are many factions of these aliens from different places with different motivations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is on the Andromedians. These entities are very beautiful. They're lively built and very thin. This race is so spiritually evolved they no longer require a physical body. Mm-hmm. They're almost beings of light energy. They are illuminated in light. They're very tall and stand eight to ten feet in height. In mythology they were referred to as the winged gods. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They believe that we all came from the same source and that we are all created in light. It is the common bond between us. So apparently they're somewhat benevolent toward us. Yeah, that's good. And according to him, uh, they're back and they're here to make sure the truth comes out. This could be part of uh, the white hats and all the stuff that's going on with that. Next one's the Pleiadians. Their home world is the plant era, which is very similar to the Earth. They're humans with few physical differences. Their skin is whiter than humans as a result of higher evolution. They are seven million year, several million years older than humanity. The Palladians live a, a more spiritual lifestyle. This means that they are experiencing and learning more with their spiritual senses than with their material senses. There are no medical problems. They're able to control their health through psychic balance. The lifespan for a Pleiadian is more than 700 years. How about that? The ability to project thoughts to another place on the planet is very common and is the socially accepted method of visiting. I couldn't learn like five languages. Mm. So they remote telemetry their thoughts to another place on the planet. Pleiadians on Era live a utopian world free of pollution, war, hunger, and disease thanks to advanced technology and spiritual awareness. Because the population communicates by telepathy, there's no dishonesty. All basic necessities are provided freely, and anything beyond that is required through individual barter. There's no money, and hence no 
irrational grasping for wealth and power. The Palladians have no economics, but do have a system of sharing the resources of their world. Material possessions are all provided based on their contribution to the community. Hmm. Uh, the people live in more rural settings and keep a distance from each other, so they're spread out all over the, over the planet, not in big cities. Nearly all the manufacturing production of products for living is done on other planets and their solar systems so as not to upset the ecology on their planet. Huh, sounds like they set up a NAFTA a long time ago and outsourced their manufacturing to other countries uh, to let them pollute themselves. It is the desire of the Pleiadians to stimulate the human consciousness through the dissemination of information so that humanity can make the necessary changes to create a new world based on Salom, which is Pleiadian word meaning peace and wisdom. Interesting. Yeah, sounds good to me. <clears throat> Next is the Procyonians. Uh, pro the Procyonians have been nicknamed Swedes. They're averaged between six and uh, six and six and a half feet tall from the dog star. Uh, let's see, they're from a star that runs person. Okay. Uh, we won't. Physically almost identical to humans. Um, there are apparently some that. Uh, are telepathic and some that are not. Both types are careful to avoid exposure and usually encounter humans in quiet, isolated places. They contact females more frequently. They may just stare at observe humans and retreat. The blondes do not seem to age and constantly appear to be 27 to 35 years old, no matter what their real age may be. And so there's some issue going, there's conflict between the blondes and the grays, and apparently uh, they sometimes take each other captive. Hmm. The tall blondes from Procyon have a benign attitude toward humanity, except for their strong disapproval of our inhumanity to each other. This strong disapproval is further intensified by the fact that our government has made a secret alliance with their hereditary enemies, the Greys, in order to obtain even more destructive weapons than those that were already in existence. Our government's not interested in, in negotiating with the Procyonians, as they would not provide us with weapons systems. Aliens masquerading as humans. The purpose of aliens who masquerade as humans are so that they may perform certain activities on Earth without suspicion. These activities include the study of human development, the transfer of information to humanity, and the direct intervention and control of human activities for alien purposes. Aliens who have been acting in this matter include the following, Pleiadians, Nordics, Koldasians, Ashtarians, and the gray-controlled bio-drones -dro or droids, and some other grays, smooth-skinned humanoids. He gives several of them, short grays, human gray, interbraids, zeta, reticulans, syrians, insectoids, and others. I'm going to do, the t I'm going to do some of the ones that I've highlighted here because they're, they're interesting. Some of the various 22 subspecies of grays, 22 subspecies, originally started out as tall, blonde-haired humanoids in the Rigel system, but were subject to heavy radiation due to nuclear exchanges of a long, over a long period of time, changing their DNA to the point where some of the species became stunted, misshapen dwarves. How interesting. There are two main types of the tall gray species who call themselves the Ebon. Type 1 of the Orion grays are about 78 feet tall, and they're extremely aggressive toward humans. And type 2 of the tall grays are between 6 and 7 feet tall and have external genitalia. Okay, let's go on. The gray species is not based on individualization or being an individual entity. These beings have a technological superiority, but they appear to be lacking in spiritual and social sciences. This is evidence in their obvious lack of warmth, emotionality, and respect relative to humans. They can sometimes obtain momentary pleasure in terms of mood evaluation by tuning in on human wavelengths via telepathy, 
connected radio radionic devices. They react to intense human emotions such as ecstasy or agony. They blanket couples for sexual thrills and are drawn to aberrants and sexual deviants. The Markovs, these are the ones that the the government signed a contract with, use sex, pain, drugs, and fear as obsessive elements with which to aberrate humans. There appears to be much subtle conditioning that has helped prepare her for certain aliens. However, it's now clear that the aliens have made technology available to the secret government are not benevolent, but are our enemies, as they do the abductions, lie, deceive, are generally malevolent, and are apparently implementing a very carefully planned covert invasion, which includes the brutal and inhumane use of humans and animals for advanced genetic experimentation and crossbreeding. It is a strategy whereby the malevolent aliens are building a Faustian alliance with the secret government to enable them to effectively claim the Earth for their own, with humanity's unwitting consent before any other aliens are able to affect appropriate contact within the constraints of the so-called universal laws to which other alien races supposedly adhere. This isn't going well. The malevolent aliens have claimed their total authorship of the religions as a means to inculcate humanity's dependence and prospective allegiance to them and reverence of them. Their apparent behavior indicates an attempt to leverage that claim claimed authorship to their own benefit by placing themselves in a position of being gods or gods defined messengers. The short grays. The large grays use smaller cloned big-headed grays to perform abductions and examination work. It is these grays that abductors you see most of the time. They are, refer- they are referred to as the Bellatrax species from Betelgeuse in the Orion constellation. They're approximately 3.5 to 4.5 feet tall and have an average weight of about 40 pounds. How Moving could they on, human gray interbreeds. Light. Thousands of years ago, many races interbred here to create an intelligent and adaptive being. But the current interbreeding is to create humans that will serve the visitors. Interbreeding enables them to establish a presence and commanding influence here. And interbreeding has been going on for several generations and becoming very successful. There are also hybrids that actually possess the visitor's consciousness. Soon, the visitors will be able to live on the surface of our planet permanently. Zeta reticulans. These are uh, Zeta reticular grays. I guess they have an insect-based genetic system. The reticulans appear to be highly aware grouping of entities that function as a social memory complex. Individuality appears to exist, but is overshadowed by the group mind. The reticulans are millions of years old as a species and have a weakened DNA structure as a result of conflicts that involve nuclear radiation. The reticulans have relied on artificial reproduction or cloning and face extinction from incurable diseases. They are creating hybrid human reticulans capable of mating with humans. The basic objectives of the reticulans is to use nullification and domination to control the leaders of various targeted civilizations. They accomplish this by taking out the leaders and replacing them with entities they can control. The Syrians. From the Dog Star, the Syrians are a hybrid race with traits that are similar to the blondes and reptilian species. They're similar in appearance to humans, except for the eyes, which have vertical slit pupils and an elongated nose. They have short blonde body hair under the tight-fitting bodysuit uniforms that they wear. The Syrians are actively involved in a war with the Greys from the Orion constellation. They have formed an alliance with the tall blondes against the Greys. They are working in underground bases on Earth for the purpose of abducting humans and programming them. They are also performing genetic work there with humanoid forms. 
This is interesting. The insignia over their left breast is triangular in shape with either three pair of lines across it or a winged serpent inside it. A winged serpent. We've been seeing that one a lot. So it looks like uh, they have an alliance with uh, alpha draconians possibly as well. <clears throat> Other smooth-skinned humanoids. Another group of entities that has more pessimistic view of human fitness for being in charge of the planet's resources is a very large humanoid race that are described in the book of Genesis as the Nephilim, literally giants, who impregnated human females and then gave birth to giants. This race is reported to originate from the constellation Lyra and inhabits the planet Nibiru. Uh, I believe these were the Ajiji um, that were talked about being brought by with the Anunnaki. <clears throat> There's an on-world presence of humanoid races that have historically assisted humanity in its evolutionary development. Such a race has been the remnants of the ancient Lemurian and Atlantean civilizations that established large crystalline cities inside the Earth's crust after abandoning their city civilizations established on the Earth's surface. And Thoth was one of these, by the way, from Atlantis. They are a tall, Nordic-looking race living in a subterranean city under the North Pole. Strictly speaking, this group is not extraterrestrial origin, but simply a subterrestrial humanoid race that is genetically linked to humanity. That's interesting. Uh, this uh, this one I really like. <clears throat> the scaly, rough-skinned reptilians. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know if the Anunnaki are reptilians. Uh, well, they're not, but apparently they're in cahoots with them. Yeah. Some of them are. Scaly, rough-skinned humanoids describe the appearance of the reptilian species from the Draco constellation and the Capella system. Okay. For the most part, we are dealing with another species that is humanoid in shape, but reptilian in heritage. Their Ooh, leadership elite reptilians. are the Draco that have special wings, which are flaps of skin supported by long ribs. These can be folded back against the body. They are also known as the dragon race. How cool, interesting. Actually. And their symbology usually includes a winged serpent. That's for Matt LaCroix. <clears throat> Brings into question how this alpha draconian race use the same symbols as what Thoth used in Egypt and in, in Mesopotamia. I mean, Mesopotamia and also in uh, Mesoamerica. There are elements of their species who do not have wings. Okay, let's go on. Um, they have three fingers with an opposing thumb. The eyes are cat-like and large. They have twin nostrils at the end of a short stubby muzzle, and they are mostly meat eaters. The mouth is more like a slit, but they do have teeth that are differentiated into size of canines and molars. They average from six to seven feet in height. The reptilian amphibian humanoids have been interacting with Earth for many ages. Many contacts and abductees repeatedly describe an insignia of a flying serpent on the shoulder patch, badge, medallion, or, or helmet. The serpent race lives under the ground. These are the alpha draconians, or the draconians. The draconian, draconian group is a confederation with subgroups. The serpent race from Syria is apparently part of that, and various crossbreeds. They set up bases inside of Venus, the Earth, and other locations. Earth is on their ancient space trade route. The Draco are about eight feet tall, have winged appendages coming on their shoulders, dark scaly skin, and have glowing red eyes. They have the ability to fly and usually operate at night. These entities, as well as the elite of other reptilian species that also have winged appendages, were the source of the legends of the past relating to gargoyles and Valkyries. That movie, The Gargoyles, scared me as a kid. Anyway, it's also apparent that some of the qualities described in vampires had also been taken from these creatures. 
Some reptilians eat humans like we eat chicken. We we don't. We're vet, we're vegan. So, uh, um, and in the United States, there are great underground food storage rooms full of preserved human bodies. Oh, isn't that something? I wonder if McDonald's makes hamburgers out of them. Sometimes the bodies are those of children. It's not only children, but also adults that reptilians eat. However, children are preferred because they are not poisoned with substances like caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, and other things that adults are saturated with. The reptilians... Excuse me. The The reptilians don't seem to be dependent on humans as food source, although part of their experimental work with us is toward the end of future food supply production. When they become involved with crossbreeding, humans and reptilians, they are not doing it for racial survival, but for the purpose of creating a subclass, a slave race, within their own culture. These half-breeds are to be biological war machines and laborers, etc. They are to be someone else's property. The reptilians seem to have little regard for us as living beings. They think we are as ugly and repulsive to them as we ever portrayed them to be, and that we, the human race, are as valuable as weeds. It's valuable as weeds. I guess it depends on what weeds. Yeah, right. <laughs> Marijuana is a weed that's uh, driving Pretty whole good. economies across the world right now, so I guess that's not a weed anymore. However, they do seem to consider some of us valuable property. One gets the feeling they will continue to use us as they see fit, or if we ever become a real problem as a group, they would sooner wipe us out than deal with us. They do not fear humanity and consider themselves far superior to humans by all comparisons. They supposedly consider the surface of this planet to be a poisonous, inhospitable environment and allow us to live here, since they live below the surface and in space. We and our surface environment function as a physical buffer or living shield around their home underground. This next section is on risk evaluation. And we're getting close to the end of the document here. At least the the portion that I decided to capture. It's a 126-page document, and we're only doing about a subset of 30 pages. The following subsections describe the risk of humanity from the intervention of extraterrestrial entities. This is presented in relation to the impact on religious beliefs, global conquest, and covert manipulation by malevolent entities. Covert manipulation refers to sacrificial rituals and trauma-based activities by extraterrestrials that coexist with the plans for global, global conquest. Many races have lost their freedom and have become a part of a collective. Entire worlds have fallen under the control of such collectives. Freedom is a precious thing in the universe, and more than one collective is competing for advantage here. That places humanity in the middle. There are no neutral parties. Our world is far too valuable. Our resources are unique and of considerable worth. We expect extraterrestrials to have outgrown deviousness, selfishness, competition, and conflict. But this is not so. Greater technology does not raise mental and spiritual strength. Just because someone can fly around in a spacecraft does not mean they are more advanced. The spiritually advanced do not go about intervening in other people's worlds. They may send messages through observers, but they do not intervene. The spiritually advanced remain hidden and seek insulation from other forces in the universe. The best position to have in the universe is to be self-sufficient, independent, and extremely discreet. Races that keep their freedom must be strong, united, and insulated from outside influences. Our world contains the resources for an environment that others seek for themselves. However, they need our help to obtain it. They do not seek to destroy us, 
but to have us become part of their collective in service to them. The intervention is not a mystery. It's nature's expression of intelligent beings in a struggle for survival. History shows how indigenous people were overcome by foreign powers seeking advantage and wealth, making them vulnerable. Now we are the indigenous people. Powerful intervening forces come to establish themselves through subtle means by uniting with humanity for their own authority. There are many different collectives competing for preeminence here. That is why there are so many different kinds of crafts seen with different races. Our isolation is over, and we'll never have it again. As part of the threats, uh, one of the sections is religious consequences. I think this one's worth reading because between government and yeah, religion, they control most of the world's populace. Several According groups of extraterrestrials wish to establish this themselves as gods or religious leaders. They seek to, to gain do. allegiance through religious and spiritual motivations. These entities would like to have religious institutions govern our nations, and they would like us all to have religious values because this is fundamentally acquiescence and submission. It would be heralded as a great advancement for humanity. This would be a new unification, equanimity, and spirit over instincts. Religions control our dedication and allegiance more than governments. Religions make us weak and vulnerable to divine guidance. Our spiritual predispositions and ideals are being greatly manipulated. Extraterrestrials seek to convince our religious leaders. They also contact those who are sensitive, receptive, and cooperative. People longing for redemption are the most vulnerable. They say we will uplift humanity spiritually. The extraterrestrials will offer peace and a redemption and the return of our religious beliefs. Our leaders, believers must discern these influences and counteract them. Religions must have integrity in order to serve in a genuine way. They will try to pacify and re-educate through religious persuasion. They will use our identification with Jesus and his promise to return. Extraterrestrials can project images of religious saints, angels, and leaders. This is quite shocking here. A second coming is being prepared now. People will assume that this is the return of their savior and teacher. The one claiming to be Jesus will be born and bred for this purpose by extraterrestrials and will look human. Excuse me. <clears throat> he will have greater abilities, seem altruistic, and will perform acts that will engender fear or great reverence. This Jesus will project images of angels, demons, or whatever desired. He will engender followers and encourage alienation or destruction of the non-believers. There will be a ferocity of religious beliefs expressed in violent ways against those who disagree and against weaker nations in the name of God. The people that are believers will be valued as useful and the others will be discarded. The extraterrestrials don't care how many humans die as long as they have allegiance by the majority. Boy, haven't we seen that through history. A uniform religion of fundamentalism will be established based on the past allegiance to authority and conformity to the institution. Other religions will be allowed only if there is order, allegiance, and conformity. And you have a 501c3 nonprofit from the government. So <laughs> that's conformity where you have to where you're being controlled, just so you know. Right. That goes for every church in the United States. Global conquest. It's now clear the aliens have made technology available to the secret government are not benevolent but are our enemies. Respect for humanity is rare in the universe. Many other races determine our value and worth by what we own and what we can trade, sell, or surrender. This is the nature of life. Technology does not change this. If you believe that technology is your, our salvation, 
then you will be safe for another race that is technolog technologically superior. They believe we cannot rule ourselves and that we will destroy the world, so they think that it is their right and privilege to intervene. They think we are like animals, that they will bring order and structure here. The extraterrestrials think they are providing a great service and are wholeheartedly persuasive. They do not believe that we will mount a resistance against them that would be effective and are sure that their secrets and agenda are well preserved. They do not seek to destroy us, but they will destroy anything they think will interfere with them. Entire worlds have fallen under the control of such collectives. We are valued only as being useful. If not, we will be discarded. Visitation has occurred without our agreement or permission, and the visitor's presence is growing. We are studied without our permission as laboratory experiments so that they can take advantage of everything we are and everything that we have. This is not a military invasion. This is a subtle invasion. It is inducement and persuasion. The visitors will offer peace, order, beauty, and tranquility, which is what we all want. They will offer what you want and say what you want to hear. They will promise, offer, and do anything to achieve their goals. The visitors will use our values, beliefs, rituals, and traditions. They will use religion to get our trust that they know what is best for us. The visitors intend on having us be simple within ourselves. <laughs> Reminds me of the movie Idiocracy. They seek to disable our inner vision and knowledge. The visitors isolate us from our knowledge within and make us completely dependent so we will follow orders with no power to resist. Teachings have been introduced that teach human acquiescence, the suspension of critical spiritual abilities, and to value only pleasure and comfort. Hedonism. They seek governments and religions through which they can control all they need them. Receptive and cooperative government officials will be promised greater power and technology. World domination will be promised either through ideas that are sent in the minds of people or face-to-face -face meetings. The technology that is offered will not be advanced, unique, secret, or sacred to the visitors. It will be basic space propulsion, electronic energy, and methods of production. Many will succumb to the offerings of wealth, power, control, domination, and advantage over others. Uh, there's so many that just are so willing to sell out their fellow man. That doesn't give me a lot of hope. Whatever strength and power is given to them will be only a temporary bestowal. Collectives believe deception to be ethical because they think that we will destroy the world without their help and they believe in the superiority of their race. So let them use you if you want, but they'll probably trash you when they're done with you. Religious leaders deemed cooperative and receptive are promised that their organization will become predominant in a new world order and that their teachings will extend beyond our world. They will be promised preeminence in our world and their beliefs will be acknowledged by the visitors in a deception to gain allegiance when they do not care one iota about religion. They appeal to greedy people's quest for power, wealth, and spiritual fulfillment so they will operate against their own best interests in the, belief, in the belief that their activities are ordained by a greater power. They will say, we have no war, let us teach you how to live in peace, harmony, and equanimity. For those who are not receptive and cooperative, their skills will be thwarted and offset. They will become the target of mental disruption. Those who will not cooperate, they will be given confusing information and tormented mentally unless they call upon an angelic presence for help. How interesting is that? I recommend Emerald Tablet 6 for all those looking for one. It works. Zealous representatives of their own religious traditions have a fundamentalism similar to collectives. Zealous people filled with anger against the world and those who oppose them will be prime candidates to espouse a co cooperation with collectives and destruction of all opposed. Blind passion fueled by anger and hostility 
become a consuming force that can be manipulated. Those who oppose the intervention will be identified and sorted out by the zealots on behalf of the visitors secretly. So you can look for religious zealots to sort you out as whether you're a believer or non-believer in this new world religion. Uh, I definitely am going to be a dissident. The occupation will be fully realized once it has been fully established, yet by then it will be too late to offset its influences without great struggle and sacrifice. There will be no freedom. We will become nothing but servants bonded to our new masters. We will be enslaved and the power to resist will have much greater costs and consequences. In order to make the governing powers observing the intervention believe that humanity welcomes it, there is great effort to secure emissaries and have people in positions of power and leadership advocate for the visitor's presence and affirm their promise of greater wealth, power, freedom, and peace. This is a deception within and beyond Earth. Each year, thousands of people are taken and not returned. They are not simply conditioned, they are kept. Some perish in captivity, some do not survive the process of being captured, and some become sick and die. Those that cannot survive are used as biological resources. Everything is used according to its value in the universe. Along with humans as a biological resource. In their attempt to breed a hybridized person as a new leadership for humanity, they need all these resources. The most secret and hidden part of the intervention is the selling of our biological parts on the black market in the universe. Hmm. The value and demand is significant. Such trade is illegal and considered morally and ethically reprehensible. However, many advancing nations have outstripped their own biology and must trade or barter for our biological parts in order to survive. The visitors are here to do business, and we're part of that business. Our hands, eyes, reproductive organs, blood, plasma, and biochemistry are all part of their business. To them, we are like intelligent livestock, useful, interesting, and commercially important. They want to use every part of the world, and they want to use every part of us. If the intervention is successful, the human population will be reduced to an efficient working class. It will be accomplished without outrage and revolution through the disappearance of people who are considered to be uncooperative or descending after they are isolated. They'll be taken away and never seen again. Covert manipulation. <clears throat> this is... This is very interesting, and this is where it brings in the Anunnaki, the Nordics, and the serpent race. The Illuminati bloodlines are all, are all genetically connected through hybrid DNA, a genetic fusion caused by the interbreeding of a reptilian race with humanity and the Nordic extraterrestrial race. Remember, the Nordics were created by the Anunnaki, okay? So now you got the Anunnaki Nordics mixed with these reptilians. This interbreeding began hundreds of thousands of years ago and continues to the present day. The Nordics were one of the key extraterrestrial races involved with Lemuria and Atlantis. They went to war with the reptilians and forced them to flee underground to other locations in the universe and to other dimensions. The reptilians have been working ever since to regain control of the planet that they believed to be theirs and interbreeding with the royal bloodlines of the Nordics was the most effective means of doing this. Wow, oh by the way, uh, the Lacerda reptiles also say that they um, <clears throat> believed that, that they deserve control of the planet because they have evolved here. They didn't come here from somewhere else. That's their claim to fame. The Anunnaki interbred with Earth races, especially the Nordics and their offspring, to create bloodlines which they can manipulate the world while appearing to be human. The Anunnaki gods began to hide their true nature and operated behind the cover of the human reptilian priesthood. By the way, this is, by this time, 
this, their Nordics have been infested with the blood of the uh, reptilians, and so they call them human reptilian priesthood, who are the only people allowed to approach God. In addition to residing in underground city complexes, the serpent race also resides in the lower end of the fourth dimensional frequency range, which vibrates very close to the range of physical human senses in the third dimension. It's a parallel universe. Let me just stop right there and say that uh, we see from four to 700 nanometers. Infrared laser pointers operate at 680 nanometers, almost at the end of that spectrum. So what they're saying is just beyond that spectrum, say 800 nanometers, all of a sudden, uh, they can see you and you not see them, so to talk. So to operate and manipulate our vibrational level of the planet, these fourth dimensional reptilians needed a third dimensional human form. That's us. This was achieved by creating bloodlines that fused their reptilian DNA with that of humans. It is, to, it, is to, it is to retain this genetic structure that the Illuminati bloodlines have always interbred with each other. The genealogy of those in the major seats of global power today can be traced back to the royal lines the Anunnaki hybrids that ruled Sumer, Egypt, and so on. The theme of ruling royal families and emperors claiming descent and their right to rule from the serpent gods can be found across the ancient world. These bloodlines and connections were symbolized by royal emblems in the form of a dragon, snake, sphinx, and plumed serpent, or the free cross or onk. The Illuminati, Anunnaki, manipulate their bloodlines into positions of power and take over those bodies for themselves as possessed souls. The rituals conducted by the Illuminati-controlled secret societies like the Freemasons, Knights of Malta, Knights Templar, etc., are one way this is done. Would you know that? Would you do that? Join one of those organizations if you knew that? Let me say that one more time. The rituals conducted by the Illuminati-controlled secret societies are one way this is done. So they manipulate them so they can possess their bodies and take over their souls. Hmm. These rituals are designed to create a vibrational environment in which the fourth dimensional reptilian can possess the body. These are the people who become the presidents, prime ministers, banking and business tycoons, media owners and others who run or administer the Anunnaki agenda. So the Anunnaki are at the top of this pyramid and they're using reptilians from another dimension as the infiltrators, almost like a proxy army to uh, run their business. So they're the middle managers. The worship of the reptilians and their dragon queens and the placing of their bloodlines in a position of power is the secret of secrets held within all the secret societies. There are so many reptilian hosts possessed people in positions of political, financial, media, and military power. They can control the physical world from their dimension while the human population thinks that humans are governing them. The 13 family bloodlines and their offshoots are orchestrating an agenda to take over the planet. That agenda demands a world government, central bank, currency, and army underpinned by a microchip population connected to a global computer network. The demonic entities and the malevolent factions of the reptilians are overwhelmingly astral beings that can move between dimensions, thus appearing human one minute and then shape-shifting into something else the next. Satanic and secret society rituals are designed to create the means through which these mostly lower fourth dimensional entities can possess the body of the initiate, initiate and also manifest directly in physical form. During sacrifices, the physical reptilians and hybrids consume the organs of a physical body, especially the heart, and drink the blood of the victim. 
At the same time, the lower fourth dimensional demons or psychic vampires absorb the deeply negative energy generated by such horrors. The vibrational frequency of negative emotions like fear and terror resonates the lower fourth dimensional range or density, and so those emotions generate energy for the fourth dimensional reptilians and demons.